I'm going to preach to you in just a moment from the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. 8th chapter, the book of Romans. Easter is coming. That's the day when a lot of Easter bunnies will show up. They hop in on Sunday and hop out on Monday and don't hop in till the next Easter. And uh, the problem that some of them have, I'm going to deal with today. As I bring you a message where I'm going to try to show you that there is a big difference between having religion and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a lot of religious people in America. I get all kinds of things that people want me to preach from this pulpit. But I'm here to preach the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. It's not about politics. It's not about America's economy. It's not about anything other but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We have a relationship with Jesus. This is His time. The church is here to bring people to Jesus. The church is here to lift up Jesus. And for you to have religion and not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is going to cause a horror ending when you stand before God. And he says, why should you let me, why should I let you into my heaven? Well, I got that old time religion. That's not going to get you to heaven. What's going to get you to heaven is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's all about him. He says, it's me. Lift me up. I will draw people unto me. Now, this problem has been around since the beginning of time. I want to try to show you that this morning. As I read to you, first of all, from the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Listen carefully to these 18 verses. Every one of these verses has a personal word from God to you and to me. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit." For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. But in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not, listen, the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies 
by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you'll die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many, listen, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Listen to these last three verses. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That is a clear reading of the truth that Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It ties to no religion, not the Baptist, not the Catholic, not the Presbyterian, not anything but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Religions come from man. New life comes from Jesus. You can be totally sold out to religion and be totally isolated from the love of God and the forgiveness of God, which comes through a new birth experience. You do not, you do not get any, and this is going to keep the crowd down probably on Easter, you get no credit in heaven for going to church on Easter Sunday. None. You say, oh, well, I've changed my plans. Well, you better change your way of living because none of us know what another day is going to bring. It's all about a personal relationship with Jesus, not a knowledge of the Scripture. Man, people fight over the Scripture. I mean, you can get in any one group, and you won't see a worse fight than religious people wanting to kill each other. Why? Because religion is man's made. But new life and a new birth and a born-again experience is Jesus made. God wants us to be adopted into his family and to have a personal relationship with the father that does no wrong, that knows everything, all power is given to him. But most, most, most want to go religion. There's something about if I can just go to a meeting that God is going to mark up some good marks. Listen. Except a man be born again, he shall in no wise enter the kingdom of God. That statement comes from no religion. It comes from the inspired, inerrant, and infallible word of God. Now, from the beginning of time, religion is just like this. Some of the biggest oral battlegrounds that I was ever around was religious people talking to each other. One takes this side, one takes that side, and it's going to be a 10-round, maybe 15-round experience. Love to fuss about religion. Love to argue religion. Listen, it's not about your religion. It's about your relationship. Do you know him? Do you have the spirit of Christ living in you? Do you forgive others like he forgives others? Do you see others like he sees others? Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in God's sight. The young and the old. 
the healthy and the sick. God loves his children that have a personal relationship with him. In those kind of conversations, emotions begin to roll out and we begin to argue. But hear me, God's word is the sole source of our practice and our belief and our hope. It is not in denominational doctrines or religious doctrines. It is in relationship with Jesus Christ. Christianity is not a religion to be studied. It is a relationship to be enjoyed. Do you see the difference in that? Some of the unhappiest people I have ever met in my life are religious. They'll fight you over anything you want to fight about if they disagree with your doctrine. But you see no love, no forgiveness. You see no peace that passes understanding. You see their ways not being higher than man's ways. In fact, you see them becoming compromisers. But when you look at the scripture, you're going to find out real quick. Listen, Jesus did not come to the earth to establish a religion. Even though he's the only one that's still alive that ever did have anything to do with religious things, he's the only one alive. He did not come to bring religion to the world. He came to give life to unbelievers who were born in sin and will die in their sin that will one day want to spend eternity with the Lord in heaven. Those of us that choose to follow him are taught to live a life of purpose and a life of fulfillment. We are taught to love our enemies. We're taught to forgive those that have ought against us or that we have ought against them, the word forgive. We're to forget. We're to turn the other cheek. Now, all of these things, even though they can be written in, the, in Christianity's doctrines, these things have to do with the life of Jesus. As he is, we're to be. He had no denominational labels, but he was the only begotten child of God. And we're to be God's children. Our authority does not come from the religion we choose. It comes from the God that we know and the God that we serve. And yet, we choose for some reason to go out in every other way. Listen to Luke chapter 11, verse 9. I say unto you, ask and it be given to you. Seek you and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives. He that seeks finds, and to him that knocks, it shall be open. Who's talking and who are they talking to? Jesus is talking. He's talking to us. He says, you don't want religion. You want me. I will provide your every need. I will love you unconditionally. I will forgive you endlessly. But come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will what? Give you rest. Do you need some rest today from this world? Some of us look like we do, don't we? 
We didn't look in the mirror this morning and say, you need some rest. But you know what? When you come to that point in your life, when you realize Jesus loves you unconditionally, that Jesus has a plan for your life, you'll quit trying to be like other people. The biggest temptation in every generation as our young people come along is trying to be like others. The victory comes when a young person sees that Jesus has a plan for their life. They are the super one in some area. They're not one that looks to follow others, but they're ones that Jesus has chosen to lift them up and use them for his glory. If time would allow, we could have people all over this auditorium stand and talk about the Tim Tebow's and all the other people that God used and they grew up and they were out in a secular world, but God used them in a powerful, mighty way. They weren't called to be preachers, but they were called to be followers of Jesus Christ. And when people saw they followed Jesus Christ, they operated their business different, they played sports different, they dealt with their enemy different. They were just totally different people. Why? Because they were born again. How were they were born again? They didn't become religious. They became a believer. They became a child of God. They were adopted into the family. And God began to show him what he wanted them to do. The reason so many never know what God wants them to do because they never ask him. They want to do what other people are doing. If it's the end thing, if it's a fad, they want to do it. It's just, they just want to be able to go with their friends and talk about something. If they don't go, they won't know how to talk about it. So they go to the parties and they go to the events and they go to everything in order that they can be like their friends rather than like Jesus. I want to say it one more time. Following Jesus is not a religion. It is a relationship. If you forget everything I say today, don't forget that. Jesus, Christianity, as we refer to it, and as I refer to it, is a follower of Jesus Christ, not a religion of do's and don'ts. Now, let me give you some scriptures. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. Be careful that you never substitute somebody else becoming the one that's going to comfort you and guide you and lead you. Him and him alone. Sometimes you can't get to the doctor. I talked to someone just a while ago that needs a doctor very, very quickly. And he was told this week it's going to be six months before he can have an appointment. Well, this person I know is one of the finest Christians I've ever met, and he knows the great physician. And you don't have to make an appointment with him. And you don't have to have Blue Cross Blue Shield, but what you need is the old rugged cross. And you just take your burdens to him and leave them there. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, but I just want to remind you they practice medicine. God created you. Every part of your body, every cell belongs to the resurrected living God that you can have a personal relationship with. When nobody will talk to you, nobody will invite you to their parties. So you got to learn how to party better so you get invited to more parties. You just be still and know that he's God. And it won't be long to those that went to the party going to be called on you wanting to talk to you about what do you have that they don't have. And where did you find it? 
Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Leave them there. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Oh, I like that one. I like John 8, 32. You'll know the truth and it'll make you free. I like John 8, 36. If the Son therefore make you free, you're free indeed. I like those kind of verses. They help me get through the day and they'll do the same for you. Studying all the different religions of the world to find out what they believe so you can argue with them is a waste of time. Let them believe whatever they want to. But you tell them the truth and then they can make another decision. You're not going to ever convince somebody to change their ways if it's all in the flesh. But God can do anything. I've had a lot of unbelieving friends growing up, and you know what I learned to do? I quit arguing with them, and I would just go to the prayer time and just give them to the Lord. He seemed to handle them a lot better than I could. It beat any visit they ever had in my office. I never saw myself used to take the place of Jesus. I have had the privilege to tell people about Jesus who set them free. And you can do the same thing. You don't have to be ordained. You don't have to be licensed. You just have to be obedient. To use what God's given you to tell people that they can have the same relationship that you have, knowing that Jesus is here. He's in my life. He set me free. I know how you're hurting. I know that God loves you. I know that God loves me. But God's got a plan for your life. Studying other religions won't give you a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But getting on your knees in a quiet place and being still and know that he's God. And take everything that is in you and lay it aside and just say, Lord, speak to my life. I want to know you. And I want to know you right now. The authority of a child of God is the inspired and inerrant and infallible word of God. This is our authority. This is what we read. What Jesus said. What the disciples taught under the power of the Holy Spirit. What God himself said. All in the present tense. Those of you that go to our Connection Center today will be given a Bible with underlined and you will see from Genesis to Revelation God was always speaking in the present tense. Over all of those thousands of years Present tense, present tense, present tense. Not a long time ago in a faraway land lived such and such. No, that's fairy tale stuff. The Bible teaches us the truth and the relevance of that truth today. When we talk about finances, in the reading of the Old Testament, we learn that the prosperity of a nation and victory always followed obedience to God. Think about it. They didn't rely on their politicians if they had them. We're not to rely on our politicians. We're to pray for them. And we're to pray for our leaders, whoever it is, whatever group. I don't care about that. God's not interested in politics. He's interested in you being his child. He is the one that built this world. In three days, he created the world. Seven days, he lays it all out and all those stories that are so wonderfully true. But the thing he wants you to know is he lives. 
He is alive. He knows what's going on on the border. He knows what's going on in Washington. He knows what's going on in the courthouse. He knows what's going on at City Hall. He knows what's going on in his churches. He knows what's going on in the home. He knows it all. When the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Those that are alive and remain are going to come down. We'll meet the Lord in there, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's called when. That's what that's called. Now, you think that our world's bad right now. You wait till all the Christians leave. And welcome to your new neighbor. Welcome to your friends. And that day's coming. You say, aren't you worried about it? Nope, not a bit. I cannot remember ever missing any sleep about that. I've never known a, a political decision that any of our politicians made that kept me awake more than five seconds. I'm not depending on those gals and guys. The king is coming. Now, all of you don't believe that. But if you don't, you're in trouble. Christianity is a relationship. It's not a religion. You say, well, I just think differently. That's good. I don't want you to think like me, but I would like for you to get to the truth. Let this mind be in you, the Bible says, which is also in Christ Jesus. His mind, he thinks different than any of us. He sees things differently from any of us. But the practice of religious rituals is a vain thing, regardless of the name of the religion. The only thing that matters is King of kings and Lord of lords and Jesus when the word became flesh. Religion that is based on a set of dogmas or ceremonies our rituals is vain. The only true religion is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's not a religion. It's a relationship. Luke 6, 46 has an interesting few words. Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Who's he talking to here? Is he talking to the runaways? Is he talking to the infidels? No, he's talking to, to his own kids. He says, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why do we go tell people, I'm a Baptist, I'm a member of Sagemont, I'm a member of the What's Happening Now Church. I mean, I'm this, I'm that. What, where are you going with all of that kind of stuff? Why do you call him Lord, Lord, and you don't know what he says? Why, why do you say he's my Savior, my Lord, and you can't forgive people? Every week I go through this therapy of watching people on the freeway. I have to go about 10 miles down this freeway. <laughs> I'll leave here today. I mean, there'll be a cuss fight before I get off of 45. Somebody. Last night I was driving. I, I, I promise you the truth. There was a pickup truck on one side and a Corvette on the other side. And they were going well over 100 miles an hour down 45 south. You know, I said, man, I hope they know Jesus because they may see him soon. <laughs> the best thing they could see right now is a police officer to pull them over because if not, they may see Jesus. But God comes back to us over and over and over. He is not interested in our knowledge of him. He just wants us to know him. Have you ever said something about any of your parents and said, you know, I never did understand my mother. I never did understand my dad. That's okay, but did you know him? Did you know he was dad and she was mom and all that kind of thing? It's not about the things we think that, that it should be about. Philippians 3.10 says, listen, 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That's a believer. That's what we're to be. We are to be what he wants us to be. He's our Lord and he is our Savior. Our faith is not in what we profess. It is in what we possess. Does Jesus live in your life? That's the question. Not I was baptized 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I think I was. I went to revival somewhere and, and that preacher just scared me to death and I got baptized. I don't remember when it was. It hadn't changed my life any. You need to talk to somebody. You need to talk to him, the Lord, and be still and know that he's God. And then when the questions come up, let us help you. Not to guide you into a religion, but to strengthen you in faith and to help you understand the scripture as Jesus taught it, not any preacher or any professor. I'm going to make a strong statement. And I realize it's strong. But if we are not willing to make Jesus Lord of our life, there's pretty strong evidence in that that we are not believers in Jesus. Amen. That's strong, isn't it? But I just said, why call me Lord, Lord? You don't know what I'm saying. Why do you know that this is wrong? I clearly tell you it's wrong, but yet you believe in moderation is okay. Why? How do you defend yourself? How, how do we let the words slip out of our mouth? Why are they there? Why haven't we taken our vocabulary when we get saved and bury it in the bottom of the sea and learn to speak with love instead of hate and bitterness and profanity? Who are you going to follow? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? That comes to be the center of attention. Many people say that the gospel which we call, the word gospel means good news. They say it's worthless and it's useless. I choose to differ. Here's what the people were saying back many, many thousand years ago in Corinth, the city of Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1.18, listen. For the preaching, here's, here's the message to those people. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved... It is the what? Power of God. That's stronger than all of our military put together. The power of God is stronger than building a wall. The power of God, all power is given to him in heaven and earth. He has the power to, to whip the devil. And you don't. And I don't. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And you know how he strengthens me? He tells me, get out of my way. I'll take care of this one. I'll remove that out of your life. I will take that out. But you have got to trust me. I assert this morning that the gospel of Christ is real and it's relevant. I'm very excited about Easter. Always am. I like for the Easter bunnies to hop in. I think it's wonderful. I think it's good, you know. I'm fully aware I've been at this too long. They won't remember it by Tuesday, but at least 
There's just a little bit of uh, irony about it. You at least get to say, well, I told you so. <laughs> but we ought to have a prayer in our heart that there will be, and there will be some, not many, unless it's a revival out of heaven, that lives will be changed. Because you don't have to hear the gospel but once to understand that Jesus loves you. I acknowledge that to some, that God is just some kind of a divine abstraction. He, at times, seems to be real. Other times, he, he doesn't. I know a lot of people that have a lot to say spiritually that I enjoy listening to. I do not see what I hear in their life. To those of us that have invited Jesus into our lives through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, you know what? I say this humbly, but I say it with great truth. We know, we know that he is alive and he is real. We've been at the funeral parlors by the bedsides. You've been on the battlefield, been in the car wrecks, been in the financial disasters, been in the divorce courts, been in all of this kind of stuff. But he's never left us alone. Jesus convicts, but he comforts as well. He guides us. He provides for us. He loves us unconditionally. When we're weak, he's strong. When it's dark around us, he can see through the light. Jesus is a great physician, and he's a divine healer. I know that to be a fact. He is alive. He is alive. The silent listener to every conversation, unseen guest at all gatherings. He's here today, and you can receive him as your Lord and your Savior. Right now. There's no burden too heavy that he cannot lift off of you. There's no darkness that he cannot bring light to. In times of war that you may be in, he can bring a peace that passes all understanding. And yes, again, your heaviest burden, he can lift it up and lift it off of you. Religion, you can question that. You have every right to question that. But you cannot question a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Those that know Jesus personally cannot explain their religion, but they can explain their relationship. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I'm his own. We know because of the feeling that God has put in those who have had the burdens lifted. There's no fiction in repentance. It is real. Except you repent, you will perish. If you repent, if you call upon the name of the Lord, he said, I will in no way cast you out. When I was seven years old, I asked Jesus into my heart. I've lived a lot of days since then. I've never had one moment in my life, in my good times or my bad times, not one moment of not knowing that Jesus lives in my life. Why? Because he said he would. 
and because I asked him to. And he did. And he is. But he wants to be in your life too. And this is where the battle rages. This is where the fight begins. It breaks my heart when I fail him. It'll break your heart when you fail him. But you will find him to be loving and forgiving. And you may be hurting today. Sickness, floods, bankruptcies, divorce, job termination, death of a loved one, loneliness, graduation has been delayed, scholarship was not offered, friend or the family has left, investments have failed, friends have forsook you, and somebody else got the job in the contract. And you're saying, I don't get it. The Lord said, you don't have to get it. I'm going to take care of you. And if I'm withholding that from you, I've got something better. And if you live long enough, you're going to have to go back and say, I'm sorry, God, I felt bad that day. I'm sorry I questioned you. You always come through. You always win. He's 100% right all the time. And the scripture tells us this in John 8, 32. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's a relationship. That's not a religion. What we're to do is to forsake all and follow him. John 8, 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you'll be free indeed. Romans 6, 18, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Romans 6, 22, and now being made free from sin and becoming servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end you have everlasting life. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Galatians 5, 1, stand fast, therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You don't have time, but I can go on. The Bible tells you over and over and over and over and over. You can trust me. Follow me. I will see you safely home. But you've got to do it my way. Not the friend's way or the religious way or the denominational way. But my way. My way. That's what he says. He simply wants to have a relationship with every one of us. Will you let him do so?